Hi, this is Victoria Warfel with Hope Service Dogs and Heart and Soul Dog Training. And with me... Hi, this is Shane with Theatrical Canine. Where are you located at now, girl? Uh, we're currently in Fargo, Moorhead, North Dakota slash Minnesota. A? Yeah, A. <laughs> a. When people hear Rich talk, they all think he's from Canada. Oh, man. I, I do believe that. He does kind of have a little accent. Just like a hint. I think he picks up some words. And I will say I have, too. You know, a comparison from being in North Carolina and then moving up there, it's my O's start to become a little more elongated. Just a little. You know, enough that people are like, oh, hmm. Assimilation, right? Well, so so you've done North Carolina. You're in North, North Dakota. Dakota now. Do we have any other Norths that you can hit up? To, like, Uh, collect them all. Besides America. North America. I was going to say North America, but I don't think there's any other Norse in... We're going to have to look that up and see. Get that on your to-do list. I don't think so. Uh, So, we are not in North Dakota or North Carolina now. We are in San Antonio, Texas, and this is my first time actually in Texas. I think I had a layover in one of the Texas airports once, but that doesn't really count. So we've been here this weekend. It's the Military Working Dog Conference, and it's been an experience. Uh, you know, I haven't seen Shane in a while, so it's good to see her. I haven't seen her since well, August. Yeah, it's been about August. So it's been a while, so it's been good to, to see her and spend some time with her. And I brought Gypsy, and we I brought my wheelchair, and I flew out here, and boy, are my wings tired. And she flew down, and she brought her chair, but she did not bring her dog. Nope. No dog. But that's okay. We still talk to her. It's okay. Uh, but it was, I don't want to say a difficult journey, but it was... Challenging. Yeah, yeah, it was challenging. So Rich dropped me off at the airport. I had my luggage, my chair, my dog, and I went, I checked the luggage, which made it a lot easier, and got through, and they kept asking me if I was traveling alone. I'm like, yeah, like, that can happen, you know? So get through security, get to the gate. The girl was really allergic, so they boarded me first. We flew southwest. It was a breeze. They got me on. Uh, I picked first row. And Gypsy under downed and and she did fine the whole way. We got off. I went to pick up, you know, got the chair out because they take it to and from you. You ride it all the way down. Is that where you ride yours to? All the way down to like the airplane? And then you get out there and then they take it and put it underneath? Well, I did fly out of a very small airport. So I actually, instead of flying out of Fargo this time around, I went to the next town over, which only has one gate. And so actually... For flying out of there, you go in to the building on the ticket counter for the one airline is there. And then they actually have you sit in that lobby area until about 20 minutes before departure. Then what happens is TSA will show up. They'll escort everybody through, (coughs) check all the bags and everything. And then basically once you get through that TSA checkpoint, you hand them your boarding pass and you get on the plane. I've had some small airports, but I've never had a one-stopper. We've had, like, four gates. One-stopper. So they actually, funny enough, so it's so small that when they 
get everybody on the plane and they pull back the jet bridge. The plane, they don't even have to back up out of the way of the building or anything. They literally just pull the jet bridge back and the plane drives forward and turns and takes off. It's very tiny. It's kind of ridiculous. But oh my gosh. It's different. Everything's very flat there, which is nice in terms of accessibility. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's much better than some other airports, you know, when you're flying and you have to go through like Denver, for instance. Denver, for the most part, is pretty flat, but there is, depending on which terminal you go through, there is a lot of up and down levels and everything, so. Yeah. Yeah, how do you handle that? Um, you just gotta find, you know, you really have to just pay attention to signage, because it's, especially if you're in a wheelchair or if you're traveling with a dog and you can't do stairs and (coughs) you aren't comfortable doing escalators, you know, or if there's too many people on the escalators, you know, you just got to pay attention to the signage because the thing is, is you don't want to miss the elevators. And what I tell people is when you see an elevator that can take you to the level, you know, you need to go on, just take it because not all the time are all of the elevators working. So sometimes you'll get to the end of the terminal that you need to go up to get to the next part of whatever terminal you're getting, you're planning on going to, that elevator may not be working. So all of a sudden you have to backtrack five, 10 minutes, which can be critical when you're trying to get from point A to point B in a short amount of time. So if you only have an hour between flights, you know, that hour goes pretty quickly because they will start boarding a good, 30 40 minutes prior to departure so i just you know if you have to take an elevator always just take the first one you see that's working just to be safe you know what about moving walkways can you take your wheelchair on a moving walkway no don't uh, i you know i mean hey if you really want to do that then <laughs> that's on you you know yeah i listen like no you know hey i've always thought about it but um you can't typically in most places. I know and Universal says no, and that's the yeah. one I see the moving walkway at the well, most. Most most airports don't actually have a sign up of any like this is what's restricted or anything. Most of them are just in the middle of the terminal, so you just either get on or you get off. You know, you get off or you just go around. But you know, with your chair, you you don't want to do that, especially if you're traveling with. You know, you could with a dog because it's a great introduction to escalators and everything. But. um personally i just i i don't like to get on them it's too congested most of the time there's too many bags there's too many people trying to scoot by you at all times and it you know i i would rather just go around so it saves saves me this you know the worry and i like having my personal space so but that's the they'll either give me a bag or a, a ticket thing at the baggage dump or at the gate before we board for my chair. And they'll put it on the chair for me sometimes. Sometimes they just give it to me. So then I can leave it just like people leave strollers, usually mm-hmm. if we have more than one gate at the airport. Mm-hmm. Right, and we drop it. Now this time, because mine is an electric chair, they put down that it was a scooter. And I'm like, it's not a scooter, it's an electric wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, they had to write down the, the manufacturer. Well, instead of asking me, he looked at the side where I have the decal, the HSD, the Hope Service Dogs org. And the logo, and they wrote down that it was an HSD wheelchair. Oh, bless. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Well, then they wanted to take the lithium batteries out. Well, the lithium batteries don't have to come out for the travel because, like, there's a whole certificate and everything. So she got one out, and she couldn't get the other one out. So she gives me the one to take on board with me. 
and I thought, you know, I felt like it was, um, whatever the name is, a Thor's hammer. Moliner. Oh, yeah, like the hammer or something. Nice. You know, because, like, I have the stupid thing, and then I had my backpack, and I had my dog, and I'm thinking, like, I need one more thing here. Thank you. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it went under. I guess some of them that can fold up, there's, like, one spot in some of the planes that they could possibly pop it. Yeah, so it really depends on the aircraft, too. So I have a slight background in aviation, and... Were you a plane in a former life? I was a plane in a former life, actually, if you guys didn't know. But no, I I used to work for an airline. And basically with that, it really comes down to the individual aircraft as far as how your wheelchair will travel. And with that, you do kind of want to be aware of what kind of aircraft you are on. And it's easy because once you book your flight, it'll tell you. So just do a little Google search. It'll tell you if it's a tiny plane or if it's one of the normal size you know, larger planes. And what I always tell people, if it's tiny plane, and let's say you have like a TI light that's a, it's a solid frame, it's not a foldable frame or anything like that. You know, I always recommend for like the 200 jets or anything that's really just, it's cramped to the point like, you know, you're really having to like walk sideways down the aisle or anything, or if they make you put a green tag on your carry-on because the overhead bins aren't big enough to put your bag in, try and break down your chair as small as possible because it will prevent damage to your chair. So when I fly and I'm flying out of these small towns and everything because it's North Dakota, I will fold my chair, the backrest down, and then what I'll actually do is I'll take off the two wheels. And, and throw them at people? Yeah, and then I'll throw them at people. Did but, the plane need them because it's so small? Yes. Yeah, they'll actually pop them on the plane to help push it along. But, you know, so... And then I'll also... I'll make sure the gate person sees how I'm breaking it down and all that. Just so they kind of understand what's all with the chair as well. So, they'll put the tag on the actual frame and everything. And then they'll take the chair frame and the two wheels down. And what they'll do is they'll put it up in the bin, and oftentimes there's a cage in the bin that they'll slip slip the chair into, or they'll wait and load the chair very last and put it on top of all the other bags. And something you have to keep in mind with this bin is it's not very big, especially on these small planes. You know, it gets very cramped, especially when you have a full flight and you're looking at 60 bags in the bin, and then if you have to put everybody's carry-ons in the bin too, you know, suddenly you have... A hundred bags in this tiny bin that's really like six feet by six feet and it is just tall enough that you know I'm five seven so if I was in the bin you know it's just tall enough that I can stand up without hitting my head but you know because of the aviation laws and everything and how the suppression systems for the bin are in case there was a fire in there or anything you cannot stack all the bags so high so it becomes very very cramped and you really that's why it's so important to break your chair down as small as possible because then it can safely ride in there with less risk of it being damaged you know and if you have any accessories or anything on that I always tell people take it off just take it off carry a little tote bag with you you can pop them into if you want to have them put it down there you can or you can carry it on the plane whatever but 
if you have a foldable frame and it folds up pretty small, sometimes they can put it into the larger planes, actually on the plane. Sometimes they can actually slip it into like one of the coat areas or in between first and coach. It just really depends. But if you're always on the smaller planes, always, always, always take your chair down to the smallest footprint possible. It will prevent all the damage you can. And I mean, things do happen. And if things do happen, always report it to the airline immediately after and they'll take care of you. But it would also probably be smart while you're sitting before you give your chair over, have plenty of time for it. Take pictures of it, go through and take videos of it. If you have videos of it at the airport before you, you go on the flight, and then whenever you pick it up after the flight, if there's damage... You can show them. It's right there. Yeah, and most phones these days, they do have a timestamp on there, so you can also show this is when this was dated and everything, and this was the condition of my chair prior to this flight. And, you know, and it's more powerful when you can show it is you know, five minutes prior to the flight or an hour prior to the flight, and it's the same day of the flight. This is the condition of the chair. And if you can show that, honestly, when you get to the help desk or anything like that, and you just show them, hey, this is the condition of my chair, and this is what it is now, you know, you're not going to have to really do any more explaining than that. They're just going to be like, oh, crap, this was a serious mistake by one of our handlers, let us go ahead and remedy this, remedy this problem for you. And they'll go ahead and start contacting, you know, their accessibility line. They'll really try and take care of you. But, you you know, you can't get frustrated with the help desk. It wasn't their fault. Correct. Yeah. You know, and. Well, that's we we got off the plane here in San Antonio and I got an email saying that because I didn't get on the plane, they were canceling my ticket and my return ticket. But I was on the plane. So they said I had to go talk to a gate agent and they would get it figured out. So I'd explain it to him and he looked it up and he was very confused because he clearly saw that I was there in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. So he fixed it. He got me a return flight, the same one that I happen to have already been on scheduled, which leaves tomorrow morning. And then I had to go to the bathroom. I had to pick up my luggage. And then I get outside, but they were just about to take my luggage Away because everyone else had already picked theirs up. Yeah. So we get out there and I call. I wanted to use Lyft because I know I call it Uber, but I've used Lyft before, mm-hmm. L-Y-F-T, and I put in for it. Well, the guy came. He he points at me. He says, you're not a problem. Dog's not a problem. He said, the wheelchair's a problem. I can't fit the wheelchair in my little tiny stupid Prius. Mm. said, so it folds down and it's 50 pounds. And he says, I don't care how much it folds down. I can't fit it in. And I thought... I have no idea what you keep in your trunk. Hopefully it's not dead bodies, but okay. And so I I get on to cancel so I can get somebody else. So they charge me $5 mm. because and I cancel. Always make the driver cancel on those two guys. It's, it's, you know, if they have, they should cancel that because they're the ones that are... Refusing. Refusing. And they shouldn't be refusing you because when they join, they agree to not discriminating against them and they are informed of what they might have to you know well i looked because when i had signed up for it it was when i went to vegas years ago with arrow uh-huh. and i don't use it often because usually yeah. hotels either i get a rental car or there's a hotel shuttle right this one didn't have a hotel shuttle and we're not getting a rental car to sit here so we just it was cheaper to uber 
or Lyft. So there is a place on there. So if you do use Lyft and you have a wheelchair, you can flip it that, yeah, I'm traveling with a wheelchair. Oh, well, that's kind of a nice feature on Lyft because on Uber, I don't think they have that. Or maybe I haven't updated the app recently, but I don't think I've noticed that. And that's kind of nice. Right. So I put in to get a minivan. Mm-hmm. And... He was way away, so it took a while for him to get out there. But he gets there with the minivan, and uh, he lifted my bag in, and I collapsed the chair. And he says, well, let me get that. I said, I got it. And I popped it in, and Gypsy and I went. We sat in there, no problems, no problems at all, which was so nice. And I got on and complained about the $5 fee, and they gave me a $5 credit, which went towards him. So oh, the five dollar nice. fee got taken care of too. That's nice. But then dropping off, I had my chair, the dog, and the luggage, and it is hard with all of those together. Yeah. You know, um, whenever Shane pulled in, because she came in the next day, she had her luggages strapped to the back of her chair. Yeah. So I, when I travel, because I I travel a lot pre COVID. I you know I used to fly twice a week and you you have to you have to find comfortable tricks so that you can easily travel because honestly otherwise you get so sick and tired of it that you never want to do it ever again and so i invested in a it's called a phoenix bag and it is fantastic it's it's a little expensive um but it is made over in england i believe don't don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure it's made over in england and what's so unique about this luggage system is it is able to just drop on to many different frames of wheelchairs onto the back and then the wheels of the actual bags itself are designed so it can glide with your chair in whatever direction so if you're going to make a quick spin around like a 360 or anything the bag just follows it's you know i'm not paid by them to advertise this or anything like that it's truly something that I got, and it is the only bag I will travel with with my wheelchair because it is so easy to travel with. You know, it, it's spacious, and it's able to make my life much easier when I travel. So I'm going to need to order me one of those because I'm telling you, my suitcase was a pain in the butt. Yeah, it, it's not easy trying to figure out a good way to travel with everything with normal suitcases and all that it's it's really challenging and people don't think about these simple hurdles that disabled people must get over when we are going places you know they don't think about how are you going to get there you know they don't think about if (coughs) you're traveling if you are in a wheelchair and if you're you know unable to transfer easily or if you're unable to get out and walk how you're going to get onto the plane from your wheelchair they don't think about that and then you know they don't think about how you're going to get your things there especially if you're traveling alone like you know being on your own when you're traveling and you're disabled it's a whole nother ballpark you know even with your service dog it's um it's challenging and uh, the average person never thinks about that they never do and it's our job to educate them and enlighten them the difficulties of traveling and so then when you go to a new place too you're going somewhere you don't know and now you have to figure out how to get from your hotel to a restaurant or to wherever you're going and that can be an accessibility nightmare on its own 
Well, so we're in San Antonio at the Grand Hyatt, which is right on the Riverwalk. And the Riverwalk is about a story below surface level. And it's a river on either side. It's a nice sidewalk. And then there's a bunch of stores and restaurants and stuff. So the hotel has a, what is it? Chris's Ruth, Ruth's Chris. Ruth Chris, yeah. Ruth Chris Steakhouse. And that's on the bottom level. And it leads right on onto the Riverwalk. So I was taking Gypsy out. Oh, so I get to the hotel and I have to potty her. So I, I left the suitcase, go out, ask where the pot, closest potty area is. And it's right there by the hotel, but it's a little patch of dirt. Uh, and then, I, you know, the next day I'm exploring a little bit more. And I find a bigger patch of dirt. And then I find a grass strip. And then I find a little park, a uh, human park. And then I found the entrance to the river walk that was a wheelchair entrance. So we went down there and it was beautiful and we're scooting along down there and run into Bart and I'm talking to him and it was right at the hotel. It was right outside of the steakhouse, but the steakhouse wasn't open yet and so it was locked. So I had no way to get back into the hotel except for backtracking the whole way, going back, going up the ramp, going almost through the park, down, down the other area. And it was ridiculous because I couldn't do the stairs. I mean, I could have. I could have if it was an emergency. My chair is an electric chair, but I can turn it into a push chair and I could have just drug it up those stairs. But there was a lot of stairs and that's not going to happen. And uh, we went on the river walk a few times for restaurants and such uh, for eating. And uh, we, we'd go on it. Of course, you know, people wouldn't see that we were there and they'd be in our way, but we'd go on it. And some of them were saying that the ADA bridge or the ADA ramp was out of commission. So the next ramp to get off of the river walk was, you know, three stops away instead of one stop away. And even as we were scooting around, because there's, what was it called? River walk? No, the whole thing's river walk. River shops or something? River center. River center. Yeah. Uh, we went over there and that's where we, we ate over there twice and we didn't know where we were going. We were trying to get from one spot to the other, but we had to backtrack uh, a few times and then we found a shortcut today, but, uh, trying to manage with the chairs and a service dog. It's a lot. It's a lot for people to manage. I tell you, if Gypsy wouldn't be trained as well as she is, uh, I worked her quite a bit off leash. It would be a pain, a giant pain. Well, and the walk is also not that wide either on both sides, you know. So it's really only comfortable for two people that are walking to pass each other, not, you know, a person in a wheelchair and then a person walking by. Because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I'm just not comfortable enough walking on the edge of something that's going to fall into water. And now, granted, the water's only three feet deep, but, uh, you know, that's not really how I want to end my day. <laughs> No, I was going to push other people into it before I fell into it. Oh, agreed. But... See? We were in sync. Yeah. I mean, um... For example, I went out Friday night, and I was just talking on the phone to somebody, and I decided I would do... Just walk a little bit, and I also wanted to go to CVS, which is supposed to be nearby, and pick up some body armor. And... So I was walking and everything, and I didn't take my chair out just because it was very nice, and, 
you know, I do try to maintain some of my mobility sometimes, especially if I'm feeling okay and it's nice outside. It's not too hot because, you know, with the heat and everything, I do start to feel a lot more sick, but it was very pleasant. And so I remember walking and at one point the river walk was closed and it forced you to go up the stairs to the surface level. And it was just kind of like, well, where would I have to go in order to find the accessible route? You know, I mean, this is just something I was kind of like, huh, I wonder. And so I ended up backtracking a little bit. And so I backtracked and I ended up probably walking a good, I think it was three or four minutes backwards from where I came from. And I had to take across the little bridge to the other side and then, you know, potentially could continue on the other side. But once I saw the bridge, I honestly, I went back and I decided, you know what, I'm going to try going up to the stairs because I would like to see the surface level of this area. And I think that's also where the CVS was. It was up on the surface level and not on the river walk. And so it's just frustrating sometimes, especially if you're in a wheelchair or if you struggle with stairs or anything like that, you try to take the accessible route and you start to run into these problems where, for whatever reason, this area is under construction. Well, we had a couple other fun ones at the hotel. There's the main entrance has a rotating door. Yeah. Has a normal open door. And there's two of them because of the airlock. And then has the push button to open door, which people would stand in front of and... Able-bodied people would use very slowly as they were exiting, as I'm waiting behind them to move. Oh, and there's like a whole crowd of them at one point just waiting for yep. the push button because they didn't want to go through the revolving door. Which, or open the other door. Yeah, which I mean, I don't blame them, especially because the doors were heavy too. I mean, it wasn't just you could pop it open and roll yourself through. They were they were pretty hefty. Yeah, they were. You know. Yeah, well, and that, or they'd stand around where the push button is because it's hard to tell where it is on some of these doors. You have to look for them. Yeah, and I think it was actually right next to one of the smoking cylinders, too. So oh, they'd gosh. be sitting there smoking and everything and, you know, in the way. So you couldn't necessarily go right there and just hit the button and then go through because the whole crowd was blocking it. But, you know, I mean, you know, so once you've gone into the hotel, then, you know, they had plenty of <coughs> elevators, which was fantastic oh, yeah. and they all were working which was such a relief because some you know sometimes I do go to these hotels and they might have six elevators but only two of them or one of them was working and but no they had 12 elevators and that was fantastic but then if you wanted to go down to the river walkway level you had to go take this like service elevator essentially to get to the bottom area and then you had to go through this like dark hallway it was kind of winding and everything and then you could get out to the Ruth Chris restaurant and then you could get to the river walk but the problem with that door is it locks between a certain time so if you're a night owl or anything that door is locked between six and midnight six in the morning and midnight essentially but or, sorry, I got that backwards for all of you guys. Uh, it was locked in the morning, too. It was locked at around 9 oh, o'clock. Right. It was it locked was... around 10 o'clock. Yeah, and so they say it's supposed to be locked from midnight to 6 a.m., but I remember on Friday it was locked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, during the daytime. And it was like, you know, this is really the only accessible way onto the Riverwalk, so how are we supposed to get back in 
when we're done, you know, and they're like, you would have to get to street level. So, or we'd have to go all the way around the block. Or we could just call people, but you can't call the hotel because I tried calling the hotel, I don't know how many times, because I wanted to find out if they had an airport shuttle and I was never able to get through to them. Yeah. It was very disgusting. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, just call up and say like, hey, I'm sitting down here. Can somebody come down here and open the door? Right. Yeah, I mean, so they really, you know, this is something that, unfortunately, people with, who don't have disabilities, they never think about. And, you know, part of that is, it is, ignorance is bliss. They've never had to have a reason to think about that, unless they know somebody who's disabled who runs into these problems, or, you know, they've educated themselves or anything like that. But the problem is... Many of your average person will never think twice about it. Well, even so there's a bathroom down on the lobby area. And I use that multiple times to get into it. It's like a weird little turn. So I would have to have Gypsy outside. I would have to open up the door because there's no button there. I don't know why they don't put buttons on bathroom doors. I, you know, the main door to come in, not the individual stalls. It would be so nice if they put the handicap to open buttons on every bathroom. And if I had my way, they would because the bathrooms have to be accessible too. And then you have to roll around. So I would open up the door, go in, hopefully not hit my wheel on the frame. Yeah. As soon as I'm in, open up the door still and call Gypsy to follow me in. And then the the uh, the handicapped bathroom stall, the big stall, was was broken the whole time. Oh, I do remember that. It was out of order. Yep, yep. It was out of order the whole time. So, you know, I had my chair that I'd have to leave out there then. You know, I'm not leaving it out in the hallway. I did that one or once or twice. No, no, absolutely. But, you know, I'd bring it into the bathroom with me and park it. And use one of the normal stalls with Gypsy. And it's something that most people don't even think about. So what I challenge you, if you have a wheelchair or if you don't have a wheelchair, you can still do this, is go somewhere new and different and see how hard it is. You know, that you've never been to before. It could be, you know, a store that you've never been into or whatever. And just see. And if you have a chair, see if somebody wants to borrow it for one of these outings, one of your friends, just to open up their eyes some, because I don't think people understand what a pain it can be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, many people just, they don't, they don't have any experience with this. They don't really give it a second thought. They, you know, I mean, so branch out and, you know, especially if you are not disabled, seriously, Think about for a second what somebody else might go through. Maybe even there's co-ops and everything where you can borrow a chair from. Borrow a chair for a weekend and just go somewhere and experience what it's like to have to navigate all these normal quote-unquote obstacles and everything in a different way. You know, something that you can't just walk over. Something you can't just, you know... um, climb up or whatever you know I mean you especially in a city in a very modern city you'll run into everybody loves stairs instead of ramps everybody loves the bird and you know the different electric scooters and that so they're always in the way of the sidewalk with COVID now you have outdoor dining that has taken over the sidewalk so it's much more challenging to navigate in just a city 
So give it a shot and just see what you learn. One really nice thing about the room that we got is we got an ADA accessible room with a wheel-in shower. That is my absolute favorite, and I want one. I mean, ours is pretty close. But this is really nice to have. But there's two double beds, a chair, the desk, the dresser, you know, a little closet thingy. There's not a lot of floor space for two wheelchairs. We found places to put them. And luckily we're not killing ourselves, you know. But this is also something on the hotels. They, you know, I've been to a couple hotels who have phenomenal accessible rooms. I'm talking... They, it's nothing but plenty of floor space. But oftentimes what you'll run into is the hotels will say it's quote-unquote accessible, but all they do is they really change the format of the bathroom. So it's roll-in. Then they will add a flashing light system in the room for people who are deaf. And they will add a peephole in the door for that's um, more at like a waist high for somebody. Oh, so you standing. can see belly buttons. Yeah, so you can kind of see belly buttons and everything like that. Um, but that's that's really it. They don't really add any more floor space to the actual room itself. The room itself is not larger in a way that you might be able to fit two wheelchairs comfortably or even one. You know, it is. Uh, if you were wheelchair bound, I would say it would be very difficult to roll around in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it, it would be would, impossible. Yeah, it would be very challenging, and I feel like it would be very frustrating at the same time. And really, what could they have done? They could just make this a single thing dresser and maybe put the fridge in the closet, put a single thing dresser, do a fold-up desk, and then that's going to give you a little more floor space. I mean, but the thing is, too, they could have simply... It's very simple, especially when you're talking in these very large hotels. This one's 19 floors... And there's at least 30-something rooms on each floor. And it could be as simple as taking our standard size room and combining it with another standard size room. And then altering the layout a little bit so it has wider entry, you know, from the hallway to the main living area to the bathroom and everything. You know, increasing the door size. You know, there's lots of little things that these businesses and these hotels can do but they choose not to because it comes down to a money game and at the end of the day if you want something to change especially when it comes to money and they will argue expenses blah 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 blah, the only way to get it to change is through your voice and it must be everybody uniting and speaking very loud and clear to these companies these businesses whether it be hotels even airlines and saying this must change. This is no longer acceptable today and we must improve. We must change, but it will not happen until there's enough voices speaking out against it. Or maybe another pandemic because right. how many times have people wanted to work from home, especially people who have disabilities? Right. And they weren't ever allowed to work from home and now COVID comes and everyone had to work from home. It was forced. Yep, I mean, it, it just goes to show you the world will always change for non-disabled people in a heartbeat. They have no problem making those adjustments, but the minute you, you know, it's you're obviously disabled or you mention you're disabled, suddenly it's, it's, you're asking the world of them to do simple accommodations that are rightfully yours. 
And that's why it's so important to always document, document, document at the same time. And that's unfortunate that that, that's what the society we live in to this day. But part of that is on non-disabled people for never speaking out. And, you know, there's an exception, but oftentimes, if you want to see something change, it must be from a voice of a different group that is not going through that struggle, that is going out of their way to say, hey, this is happening to this community, we must change this, we must work together and fix this problem. So... You know, think about that. What can you do to make your city different? And it's it's as simple as writing your local, you know, office holders, your local government. You'd be surprised how interested some of them are in listening to what you have to say to make improvements. And if they're not, show up. Just start showing up. Because I bet you they'll get sick and tired of you. And at some point they're going to give in to just hearing what you're going to say. I like it. So that's going to be your challenge. Is try being in a wheelchair. You could try walker or cane. You know, but just try it. Try living in somebody else's shoes. And then what can you do to improve it? And it doesn't even have to be a wheelchair, guys. You can try different things. Try and think about all these other disabilities out there. And think about what it would be like to live in their shoes for a weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I walked down a couple times to Potty Gypsy. And I was down there the second time. And I thought, "Uh uh-uh, this was stupid. I should have just brought my chair down. So that's what I did the whole rest of the time. Sometimes I'd park it and get up and walk around. And I'm sure people looked at me like I knew she was faking. But there is such a thing as part-time wheelchair use. Yep. Ambulatory, I think, is it? What? Ambulatory wheelchair use? Something like that. We'll call it that. That sounds good. Yeah. Sounds like ambulance. Wee-oo, wee-oo. Right. So it's getting late and we have to both catch our flights tomorrow. So we're going to wrap this one up. Shane with Theatrical Canine. She is on Insta. Yep. And uh, it's Stage Paws. Stage Paws or Theatrical Canine. Both of them. So you can follow her. Uh, she's on the board of Hope and she is head of our poodle breeding program. So we do have some poodles currently. I think we have one poodle left and we have, uh, a couple Dobermans left. I believe we haven't been advertising them all that much because we've been busy doing everything, but our next busy is flying out and then finishing up my taxes. Super fun. Oh, I need to do those too. Yay for the extension. But you're on the time crunch now, girl. I know. Um, So we'll get back with you later and let you know how the conference went, how awesome it was, and why we're glad that we came. But accessibility was the name of the game today.